Welcome to The Trainer's Tribe, a podcast for group fitness business owners who want a reliable business that gives them the freedom and impact they desire. My name is Kyle Wood, and I'm joined by Dale Sidebottom. We're the first people to tell you that working harder or working longer is not necessary. We've both built successful boot camps and created profitable online businesses, which has given us the lifestyles that we love. How do you build a fitness business that's both profitable and that you love working on? That's why we created this podcast. Let's dive into today's episode. When did I start? Yeah. Like for me, it was was 18. It's actually quite a funny story because I remember my dad, he used to do jujitsu and he went for a run one evening and I was begging him like to take me on this run. It was only like two miles. And after about an hour of, of honest, after, after just absolutely chewing his ear off, he said, right, get your trainers on, get your shorts on, let's go. And he started running. And after about 200 meters, I couldn't keep up. How old were you then? I was, about, I was probably about eight. And instead of stopping waiting for me, he just carried on. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, yeah, I'll see, I'll see you at home. I'll see you at home. I was like, I was, I'm sure that's traumatized me, like, growing up. Like, <laughs> I'll see a shrink about that, yeah. But yeah, he just left me for dead, basically, and I was like, what's going on? And also, he was, he was back in 15 minutes, because like I said, it was only like two miles. And then I, 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 the next day, my dad didn't take me for a run again, he was going to jiu-jitsu, so he took me to jiu-jitsu. And this, the day I went to jiu-jitsu was the day I was hooked on martial arts. Mm. And then from being eight, I practiced jujitsu, went on to do taekwondo, Thai boxing, a little bit of karate. And that's really? that started it, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not know you that. Did. I don't know how that's not come up before. You can, have you, I, I wrote a blog post and it was something like the top 10 things you don't know about me. I, I, I thought you might have read that. Yeah. And, oh, Kyle, and aren't you reading Kyle, aren't you yeah, reading my podcast? podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, let's cut this podcast. No, it's terrible. Well, yeah, yeah. So I think you did a bit of jujitsu, didn't you? A bit of taekwondo, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, I did taekwondo for a bit over 12 months. I got my, I, got, I went up two belts. So it was like yellow. I think it was like yellow with a stripe and then yellow, the type I was doing. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like the, that's, like the sec- that's like the second belt up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, two belts. Oh, okay. Well, actually, they only did the assessments quarterly and I missed one of them. So I was like, I can only go as fast as I could go. Come on, positive encouragement. I know, I'm only kidding. But there, there is another story, actually, because I think the third time I'd, I'd got there, at the end of the class, Sensei Roberts, he got everyone in a in a in, his, in sort of like a in a circle around, and he would pick people out to fight each other. So you get two minutes just fighting someone. Uh-huh. And the only two people left was me and this black belt. And they're all, you know, you can't put a white belt. This, this guy's only been here for three times. <laughs> <laughs> but this black belt, he was. He was about 17 times bigger than me, a big, big guy. And there was no way on God's green earth he was gonna, I was going to win. It was just the size of me to the size of this guy. It was just an impossibility, right? And when, when we started fighting, it's like all wrestling moves, jujitsu, isn't it? All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. After about a minute and a half, I got him in a headlock and he couldn't get out of it. And there was about 30 people around this mat watching. No matter how hard he tried, he couldn't get out of this headlock. And I won. And I'd only gone three times. And this guy was 
absolutely traumatised because he's a black belt. <laughs> black belt. I think I might have wrote about that in one of my emails as well. He, he felt like you did when his dad ran off and left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he felt exactly like that. <laughs> like my third session, and on that third session in jiu-jitsu, if you do well, they'll give you the first thing they do is they'll give you like a yellow tab, won't they? And that'll say that you're sort of progressing towards your yellow. Oh no, yeah, I think it's a yellow tab on your white belt, isn't it? And if you get three tabs on your yellow on your white belt, you get three yellow tabs. That means that you can then go in for your yellow belt. And I'd only been there for three days. And then at the end of the session, when everyone had gone home, this sensei Roberts called me over and he said, he gave me this little yellow um, thing to put on my white belt. But I didn't even have a white belt at the time. It was my third time. I was wearing tracksuit bombs on it. <laughs> And I was just like, what am I supposed to do with this? And he said, well, you're going to have to get a D. <laughs> but that was a defining moment in my life because that's when I realized that I could, I was capable, uh-huh. you know, like taking out this black belt. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's crazy. And then years later when I joined the Marines, I, I represented the Royal Marines in Taekwondo. Uh-huh. And won the gold medal. Awesome. Won the gold medal. So like, did that lead then sort of into joining the Royal Marines? Just that background with the fitness and martial arts. Yeah, I think I think for me, martial arts that led. I found Bruce Lee at a very early age, so I was always in the back garden kicking things and. <laughs> and I was I was a mega troublemaker when I was younger, and that's all. I, I was just springing about and fighting all the time. So that's why my dad said, "Well, look, the best thing is we'll take you to martial arts, and you can learn a little bit of control." Uh-huh. So I did one day. Then when we moved house, there wasn't a, uh, sorry, jiu-jitsu. When we moved house, there wasn't a jiu-jitsu club. So I did, have you, have you done judo at all? I, I did that for, for, for a while. I'm familiar with it, but no, I haven't done it. It's, it's similar to jiu-jitsu, but you just get thrown all over the place. Yeah. And to be honest, <laughs> it was the same throw. It was called Ponce and Aggie. And it was the same throw. It's either being thrown from the hip or being thrown from the shoulder. And there's only so many times you can get slammed on the floor. <laughs> That is enough. Uh-huh. And then I tried boxing. I, I, was, I, was, I boxed in the Marines. And they threw me into a Let's competition. No, no, this, this is another traumatic experience. They wanted, <laughs> I, 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 was, I, was new, I was new in the troop. It was, I think it was the driver's troop that I joined. Yeah, it was. And because I was a new guy, they wanted someone to represent the Marines in boxing, um, the, represent the troop. So they said, right, okay, well, you know, you're the new lad. How, how about you jump in the ring? I think they said, because they knew you'd done martial arts. They knew arts, I'd done a bit of martial arts, but the day I went for the weigh-in, the guy who I was fighting was just a monster. And again, I, I wasn't really a boxer. This guy was like box for the Marines. I basically took one for the team because I knew I was going to get my face kicked in. All the family, <laughs> watching. All the family came watching. There was about 500 people watching. And I remember... They had me on the night shift in the in the MT that night, so that's how how much faith they had in me, right? I didn't even get a good night's sleep. I'd not slept for about forty eight hours. <laughs> and in that room, it was an absolute carnage. I think I, I think I lasted. I think I lasted a round. And then when I left the Marines, I completely lost all faith in fitness. Really, it, it absolutely destroyed wow. me. Yeah, I just because the thing is, Kyle, like when you're in the Marines, like it's forced transformation, it's forced fitness. Like they get you out of bed, they make sure you do the work you're training for two hours a day. They just absolutely smash you to smithereens. Mm-hmm. So then when you leave, you sort of it puts you off a little bit. So, so you've done your you've done all your um, PT stuff before you went in the Marines, though, haven't you? 
before I joined the Marines, I did the just the basic level two YMCA fitness, whatever it's called. The what is it? The I think it's like the gym exercise instructor. Yeah. Gym. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like group group fitness. Group fitness. Yeah. I think that's, that's a right, yeah. certificate three in mm-hmm. Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then I did the group. Then I did the group training qualification. I think it training was one, outdoors. Oh, yeah. yeah. This, I did the training outdoors. We'll and I want I want to get to yeah. that in a bit. Yeah. Thank you. The, the first, Hanny, how did you come to be interested in business? Because we, were you doing business stuff before you guys started Sound Fitness? Yeah, but I was employed. So basically, I had Jack when I was really young. I was 18 when I had Jack. So when he was six months old, I went out to work because I needed to do that. And about a year later, my relationship with his dad broke down. So then I was on my own and I was like, right, I've really got to like provide for my son now. So I got into, I had a horrible job that I absolutely hated, but I knew that it was like (laughs) a means to an end. And I knew that I had to, because I had dropped out of university to have Jack, I knew that I had to kind of like work harder than other people my age. So I just slowly worked my way up through, I worked for the civil service and I worked in the child support agency, which was hell on earth and the job center, which was worst <laughs> and uh, and gradually worked my way up through these awful jobs and then I because of all the experience I managed to get a job in a really great company and so I switched to a company that provided training and consultancy for accountants and I became their operations manager which was very much about organizing the resources and people and putting them all in the right places and analytics you know business analytics how different areas of the business are performing and everything so that was a really great job in a really great company and then they put me through my CIPD which is a UK professional qualification for human resources professionals it's the equivalent to having a master's degree so in the end I got there with my professional qualifications and um, I became the operations and human resources director so I was kind of responsible for that whole division of the, the company. And the company was a four and a half million pound turnover business, which is about, I don't know, $10 million or something. Mm-hmm. So it was a small, you know, smallish size company, but that's where I got my background in business really was working for that company. And it taught me such a lot, you know, really about the intricacies because it was a smallish company the, the board directors was really quite small but they were very open in terms of everything like how the business was run and systems and you know I helped set up new databases and roll out training for that across the company and stuff so I got some really amazing business experience and so from that we decided when obviously Leon wanted decided to come out of the marines mm-hmm. we were like right well you've got the fitness and the you know you've got you've already got those qualifications you've got the the passion and actually when, when I realized that that was going to be the exit strategy for Leon was when we, I, just, I decided in one of my uh, mad moments that I was going to get fit. I was like, right, and with this new guy, we've met probably, we've probably been together about a year, haven't we? But I was like, he's really fit. I'm going to like try and like get really fit and get into the fitness. And stuff. I was like, right, Leon, you've got a PT qualification. He's still in the Marines at the time. I said, how about you train me? And he's like, yeah, all right, I can train you. And so I got on these, I got on my new trainers and like got all the gear, you know, all the gear and no idea, all the shiny neon t-shirts and that. And, uh, 
said to Leon, right, we're going to go, you're going to train me. And where we lived in the countryside, it's beautiful. We had all these lovely fields opposite the house. So he said, right, we'll just go for a jog through the fields and we'll do some work, you know, work out on the way and stuff. A bit like an outdoor park fitness class. Well, oh my God, I did nothing but moan the whole way around. (laughs) You know, it's just like, oh, this is too hard. Oh my God, I hate it. Oh my God, my legs don't work. No, no, no. I was a real whinge bag. But Leon was amazing. And he's the only, you know, I've done various fitness programs throughout my adult life and teen life, as most of us have, you know, aerobics, Zumba, you name it, I've tried it. Uh And um, it was the only one that I got to the end and I was like, actually, for all the moaning, he didn't, he didn't push me too hard. He didn't make me do things that I really, really didn't want to do. He did make me do some of the things that I didn't want to do, but it was just, he just had this natural, I was like, you should be training other people because you're absolutely amazing at this. Like you make me want to do it again. And I wasn't being biased because he was my boyfriend. Well, I might have been <laughs> but it was true. He was really good. And I was like, you know, if you're thinking you want to come out of the Marines in a couple of years, then this is what you should be doing because you're um, amazing at it. And that was where we started really planning for sound fitness, mm. wasn't it? Yeah. And I, so I was like, well, I've got all the business experience and I'm getting, you know, at that point I was still getting business experience and still working in my corporate job. Mm-hmm. You've got the, obviously the fitness and then the Marines background as well. It makes sense for us to do something together like that. And so that's where, it, that's where the idea came from. I think uh, one of one of the previous things we've been talking about today is uh, working to your strengths, and it sounds like both of you together obviously sort of complemented each other starting off the business. Do you think that was sort of how things have gone so successful for you both? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? That's been fundamental because when we made the transition from the physical business to the digital business, like selling manuals online, because of Hanny's business experience, that's just played a major role as well. So I don't... Like, without Hanny, without me, like, we needed each other to make it work. I could not have made it work on my own, definitely not. And it's funny because, like, you see trainers these days, and in fact, like, you know, the majority of trainers I come across, they're fantastic trainers, but they don't have that other half. Like, well, I'm a fantastic trainer, but I don't have the business skills that Hanny has. Hanny's made the business work. So, So you get these trainers nowadays who are fantastic trainers, they don't know why a business is struggling. It's struggling because they just simply haven't got the skills. Or, or because they're trying to do it and it's not where their natural instinct, passion, excitement lies. And it's very, very hard to do something that you don't love doing and do it really well. If you hate, if the word marketing makes you shudder and gives you, you know, goosebumps and you think, oh my God, that's, I, I hate marketing and you, you clam up and freak out about it, you're not going to do it very well. So, yeah. so I do think that that is what definitely that's been the, probably the biggest key to our success is having complementary skills. Complementary yeah. skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that everybody has to go out and marry someone that they, they find <laughs> complementary yeah. skills for their business. You know, there's lots of different ways you can work around that. If you don't, no one person's ever going to have all the skills it takes to run an amazing boot camp business or fitness business, yeah. you know. There's other ways to working around it. I'm not suggesting. We don't want people listening to this thinking, oh, I'm going to have to... Go and marry Richard Branson. I have to dump my husband or what? <laughs> <laughs> I need to get on Balls. Tinder and find someone else. So that worked out quite nicely for you guys. So tell me a little bit. So you, you grew this business to how many 
how many people was it at its peak? Sound Fitness? I think it was about 120, 130, something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that um, right? yeah, it, yeah. It was about that number, and then we 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 train we we did we did corporate training. One of our clients wanted us to come up to her work and do a corporate day, so corporate team building. And the company was Wrigley's and uh, Wrigley's Chewing Gum. I don't, you're probably not familiar yeah, yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're owned by Mars. They're owned by yeah. Mars Company. So they asked me to come in and do this big team building day. And I was like, well, what, what does a team building session look like? And obviously I was really familiar at that time with my own unique bootcamp workouts. So I had hundreds of ideas, but I didn't really... You know, you see these team building where they've got like sticks up and they're trying to guide like a marble from one side of the room to the next. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to expect. And I was like, well, what am I doing? She says, well, what I would do is just do what you normally do because like it, it, it's all team based. And, and that's when I started recognizing that actually what I was doing was sort of venturing into the sort of team building, like the, you know, the, the team activity sort of thing, uh, side of things. So I went up there. I used tires and all kinds of different. Basically, I took a, a boot camp session, and they loved it so much that they invited me back, and that became a regular thing. Every Wednesday, half past six. Well, I think it was half five, wasn't it? On a Wednesday, and I did that for about two and a half years. Huh. Yeah. So the boot camp with the yeah was like the the main bulk of our business, but then we just have as Leon said these different corporate things and bits. Well, the thing is, in the in the corporate thing, it was working so well, people were enjoying it so much. But I think that that was like one of the key points why I thought, you know, I can turn these ideas into a manual, mm-hmm. and other group instructors can have the same level of the same level of variety and fun that I'm having with these corporates, you know. I, mean, I was already injecting that into my normal bootcamp classes, but that I think took it to another level because you're trying to, you know, I think it's easy to get stale when you're taking sessions, but I was invited to this, to do this corporate gig. I wanted to pull out my best session. And when I did, it was a case of trying to better that every time. So doing that meant that my, my sessions on the park with my sound fitness group, they started to get a lot better. And then my ideas started to evolve. And then if, you know, and then it's, then it was just a simple case of sticking it in a manual and helping other people, you know? Yeah, I had the, had the idea to, because I mean, a lot of trainers look at making money if they add an online component, it's like do online training. So what made you think, oh, I might teach other trainers how to do what I do? Oh, well, online training didn't really exist then. I mean, we're only going back four or five, well, five, five years, but... I think now really online just, training's everywhere. A lot, yeah. you know, probably, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe 20% of trainers have an online component to their mm-hmm. business and that's yeah. growing probably daily. Mm-hmm. But five years ago, it was just wasn't something that we would have even thought of. Mm-hmm. And actually, what I think when you started putting your workouts together into manuals, you had some idea that we could possibly sell them, but it wasn't, initially it was just to organize all your ideas, wasn't it? And and because you you realise that you could actually reuse them if you had them sort of yeah. set out. I think I think that's a good just a quick story to tell though. Right, I remember I used to wear combat pants when I when I trained. It was like a marine thing basically. So I used to wear black combats, and I used to have my session written out on a little card. I'm my, I've seen your videos. Yeah. Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a special forces operative. Yeah. James Bond look. <laughs> I had my session written out in my side pocket. And every time, every night I'd come on, it was 90% of the sessions were freezing cold, wet through. I'd just 
pick out this soggy workout and just launch, like wherever I was, either in the kitchen, in the bathroom, I'd just launch it. And it got to the point where there were just hundreds of these freaking cards just stashed in places and all over the place. And I was like, you need to freaking clean this up. So I was literally, with all these, with all these, literally there was a hundred, maybe 200 little cards in my hand. And I was stood over the bin. I was just about to throw them out. And I noticed one workout that I'd used. And I was like, oh, well, I might use that for my next session. What I started doing is I, I, I thought, well, all right, so that's a team game. That's a team challenge. And then all of a sudden, like, just like a deck of cards, I was just putting them together. And I had nine different categories. So, for example, team games, team challenges, finish drills. I had nine categories. And a load that I knew didn't work, so I, I threw them away. And I had exactly 161 ideas. So I thought, what I'll do for tomorrow's session is I'll mix and match. So I'll take a finisher drill, I'll take a team challenge, and I'll take a point-based circuit. So I do the session. I was like, freaking hell, this is saving me a freaking heaps of time. Mm-hmm. Next day, I'll take this, I'll take that. So it became, for me, a mix and match system. So I said to Hanny, this is saving me a ton of time. If it's saving me a ton of time, I know that it can help other people. Mm. And because the ideas were quite unique to me, I thought, well, the bootcamp workout, so that's when unique bootcamp workouts was born. And that was the first manual, and it had nine different manuals, and there was exactly 161 ideas. So I almost threw out that manual by complete. <laughs> the thing that I launched your business. Yeah. So that's why you saw the idea. That's meant to be. What's that, Kyle? That's why you saw the idea. You, you were there and you... Well, I used it myself for months and months. And then, you know, we came to the conclusion that we weren't really happy with running our boot camp. We'd done it for four and a half years and it was quite hard work. The winters in the UK were getting worse. Mm-hmm. More and more people dropping off. And then I think the defining moment for me was a leisure centre opened up right on the corner of the park where we trained. So I'm, I'm saying, like, this is like... 50 bloody footsteps away from where we meet up. But as soon as that gym opened up, it was, it opened up in the middle of like one of the worst winters we'd ever had and clients started to leave. Was no, it, not it? that many. It not that many. It, it, was, it was a blessing in disguise because I think we got rid of the people that weren't really that committed. Yeah. You know? And we'd done it for four and a half years and so we, we had at that time a really, really good group. But like I said, I'd done it I mean, at that point, I'd taken over 1,700 sessions. And it was getting to the point where it was so, so, so easy to take a session. It became less challenging. It just, I was rocking up to the sessions without a plan, just to try and test myself just for something new. I had all the ideas in my head. I was just trying new things all the time. I was doing other corporate work to try and make things exciting and interesting. But But by this time, you you were, you'd... Because with the, even though I've got a business background, I didn't really know anything about online. We did email marketing in our business, in the business that I worked in, but you know, not like, not to the level that you guys and and we do email marketing now. And I didn't really know that much about online business. You know, I knew a little bit about web build and WordPress and the, you know, the very basics, but I didn't really, you know, I didn't wouldn't have known if you'd asked me what a funnel was. I wouldn't have had a clue what you were talking about. And so by this time, Leon had started the process. We're now at the stage where Leon's left the Marines, so he's running the boot camp as in the physical side of it, and then sitting around twiddling his thumbs all day at home, waiting for me to get home from work. <laughs> so that's, during, that's that, during that dead space, <laughs> when I'm out earning the, uh, earning the keep for the family, 
Leon decided that he was going to follow a program called Chris Farrell Membership, which is Chris Farrell's been in internet marketing for years and years and years. And he had this really, really, really basic program that Leon basically followed 10 minute lessons every day. And so he started building the website and learning about blogging and all this kind of thing. So the, as the sessions were getting less interesting for him to take, he had this other thing that was, that he was really interested in. You know, this guy could only just turn on the computer and use NSA Messenger, couldn't you? When you started Chris Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the limit of his, his uh, Yeah, I, I don't even think I knew what a browser was. That's how Finger typing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and so he, so this was like a new project for him, which you, you were loving, weren't you? And doing really well with. So it kind of all fitted in at the right time like everything yeah. which i actually believe happens in life generally you know i do think that things opportunities present themselves at the right times for us and we notice those opportunities when we're in the right place in life or whatever to to make the most of them so so the the boot camp sort of dwindled a little bit but still you know still successful still bringing in some money and um but at the same time that allowed leon to a bit of time and headspace and energy to pursue the online thing yeah i had my my experience very similar with things just falling different things coming into place at the right Mm. time you know i suppose it's uh i suppose it's all about you make your own luck a little bit as well by reaching out to people and connecting with certain people in the field and things like that i think that's how things sort of happen i suppose uh, this was a funny story, and we would have heard this on uh, our first couple of episodes, but how, obviously, Colin and myself are sitting here. It's because of mutual friends with both of you, and I was I remember speaking to you one night, Leon, and you said that Kyle was interested in making a podcast, and uh, so I've just uh, reached down, and how it happens is that we live three minutes apart, so now we're sitting in the room <laughs> recording a podcast with you guys in Spain. Yeah. It really is, and I think... Those small opportunities, they're all over the place. You've just got to take them. They know? are, yeah. And, and yeah. actually, that's Leon did exactly the same as you did, Dale. In fact, we didn't have any, you didn't have any mutual connections, did you? You just reached out to Kyle when you first started putting the manual together because obviously you've been following Kyle as a, as a super fan, <laughs> as we all are, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> of the rock star that is Kyle Wood. And, yeah. and then, you know, so you sent him an email and turns out, lo and behold... He's a regular guy. He's a regular nice guy. So he replied to the email. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and look, we're coming we to the UK as well. And then, yeah, and then you guys, Kate, you and Zoe came over yeah. and um, yeah, stayed with us in the UK. And so, so, yeah, connections are very important. But like you say, it's actually taking responsibility for your own destiny and your own path and actually being proactive and, and not sort of just hoping that things are going to happen to you go out, go out and make them happen yeah I, I think like i remember putting the manual together and I knew, I knew nobody i knew nothing and i remember seeing i think i was signed up to gary robinson's emails at the time and i knew he was selling his i think actually at the time i think he i think he had i think he'd only published one manual i think that was a boot camp boot camp ideas volume one i think it was mm-hmm. boot camp? Work out. yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Work out. Yeah. Kyle's bootcamp ideas. Yeah. Well, it, was very, it was very confusing for people. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I remember sending him a message and saying, look, I've got this manual. I think you'd be interested. Can I send it to you? Would, would you tell me, you know, give me a bit of a leg up and, and help me out? 
So I, I'm, I'm checking to be on Skype. Yeah, yeah, I'm we do. On Skype, and he's like, he he really gave me a leg up and told me basically what was what. Mm. He didn't have to do that because I was then going to go on to be one of his competitors, really. Yeah. So for him to, and he didn't hold back as well. You know, I sent him my manual. He told me what he thought of it. I think he gave you tips to improve it. Give me some fantastic tips. Almost proofread it. Yeah, it was really helpful. But actually, that's just another, you know, another takeaway there, I guess, for people is that, you know, there's a lot of, oh, this guy's set up on my park and, he, yeah. you know, he's doing this and he's doing, he's doing that and he's going to take on my clients or he's already taken some of my clients or whatever. And there's this fear of scarcity. You know, there's not enough clients to go around. And if somebody else sets up in competition with me, they're all, automatically all my clients are going to leave me. And so... You know, that could have been your attitude or Gary's attitude. But actually what happened was you didn't think like that. You were like, this is cool because this is another way that the bootcamp industry gets more, gets to improve our standards and gets to other bootcamp instructors get help. So let's work with this guy and let's talk to him. And and that's really great. And I think if bootcamp owners, fit pros can start thinking a bit more like that and thinking about, you know, that guy's going to be offering something different to me. My clients aren't going to leave just because someone else has set up. And actually, you know, the more people there are training the general public, the better, surely. Like, and actually, there's so much power in collaboration, as we know, Kyle, from when we've collaborated on putting all our manuals together and things. And, and I think it's safe to say, certainly for us, those in terms of sales and income and everything have been the most successful promotions we've ever, ever run is when we've been doing it together as a team, you know, and we've put in bundled in stuff from, from both of us. And with you, Dale, you know, we've kind of put all our stuff together and, and run promotions and the power of collaboration is incredible. So, so I don't really know what I'm trying to say yeah, but just maybe not be so like <laughs> not freak out not not let that be your default mode when somebody sets up you know in inverted commas in competition with you think about actually how that can benefit you benefit your community how potentially you could work together how you could because we had another boot camp in Plymouth who was just slightly they just did things slightly different to us and they offered sessions on different days and times so if we had someone come along to our boot camp and they're like I really want to join but you're you know you're your Mondays and Wednesday mornings just don't fit in with my schedule. I really need Tuesdays and Thursdays. We'd be like, okay, well, go and try out Fit Camp, you know, and we'd give them a ring and I'd say, hi, Kate, I've just referred someone to you. Hopefully they'll come through. They can't make our session times. I thought I'd send them to you. And guess what happens when you start doing that? They do the same. So they get someone come to their camp and they say, I don't like using all the equipment or this is the wrong location for me because they were on a different park. And they'll ring ring me and they'll say, I've just referred someone to you. They want Central Park, you know? And so actually it can be, it can work so much in your favor if you get out of that scarcity mindset. And there are a heck of a lot of clients in, in your town, whether you think it or not. If you live in the tiniest town of two and a half thousand population, there are enough people there to have two or three boot camps probably and make a good living 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think we, we do speak about that as well. But instead of being scared, you, you've got to look to people at uh, ways that you can help each other out. Because as you see, so many other people out there think they can do everything by themselves and you don't have all the skill yeah. sets or anything like that. So by sharing ideas, resources and time, helping each other out, then you can both in, improve your business and build together instead of thinking. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, just like we found when we sent Kyle an email, most people are just really nice human beings who are trying to do the same that you're trying to do, you know, help other people look after their family, have an income, you know, and a nice life for themselves and their family, help the general public, help people get fit and have a, you know, have a great life. We're all like on the whole. Yeah. You know, there are some exceptions, but on the whole, most people are good guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good point. So what uh, you've obviously built a really successful business, guys. What's uh, main projects on the go at the moment? We've recently launched in the last couple of months the Workout Design Club, which is really an amalgamation of everything that Leon's ever put together in terms of bootcamp workouts over the last mm-hmm. five years. So when we started out with those first kind of nine categories in our initial bootcamp manual, that's obviously grown, expanded he's come up with lots of new ideas and things. And so we've always followed this mix and match kind of system where there'd be three or four components per hour long bootcamp, if you like. So the Workout Design Club is a primarily every week you'll get five brand new one hour workouts. So rather than it being, they're still with, with our mix and match system, but that's already been done for you. So it's an hour long workout. You can just print and take to your session with exercises plugged in and, and all that kind of thing. And then as well as that, as a, a kind of a bonus to that, you get members get a exercise library, bodyweight exercise library, which is a video library. And Leon's just added in, in the last couple of weeks, the entire back catalog of all of our manuals are now in there as well. Yeah, awesome. Everything we've ever done and every piece of new material that Leon comes up with is going in there, drip fed on a week by week basis. Uh-huh. So basically there's a database along with the done for you workouts. Mm-hmm. yeah that's more concise way of saying it. so <laughs> yeah so it's just an amazing resource for trainers you know and uh, we're finding especially trainers that have like multiple venues or they have other trainers working for them finding that it's really useful because they know that there's yeah. consistency with their venues and with all their trainers so mm-hmm. and you guys i mean yeah it's like for like you said you guys have been doing this sort of four and a half years it's, it's a lot of content in there there's a lot of workouts and do you know do you know how many drills are in there is it it'd be 300 plus i imagine well we've got trainers writing material for us as well oh fantastic yeah, but yours, isn't it? i reckon there's probably about there's got to be over 400 workout ideas in there it's insane isn't it i would say let me just think of all the manuals i've got there's probably a i reckon there's close to a thousand what I reckon. Wow, he knows but better than I do. The, the, like all, all my past contents in there, but I've created an absolute ton of new content. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm rolling out ideas all the time. He's an ideas machine. Uh-huh. He read a book recently called How to Become an Ideas Machine, and if he wasn't already, then he definitely is now. I would, honestly, I would recommend anyone read the book. What's it called? It's basically it's called How to Become an Ideas Machine. And basically what it is, it's, I think it's like 164 questions and you answer one question a day. So the question might be, write down 10 ways that you can make a thousand dollars tomorrow. 
Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, you can get to four and five really, really easily, right? Mm-hmm. But it's beyond the four and five. So, like, you're on six and you're like, surely there's nothing else. But it forces your mind, physically forces you. Like, you have to sit there until you've done the 10 points. You can't just do seven and think, oh, I've, I can't think of anything else. You physically have to sit there until you've wrote your 10 points, right? Well, you do if you want the process to you work. You do if you want the process to work. And what happens, it forces your mind to think, right? And once your mind gets into the into that kind of a process, it's, it's like critical thinking, where they say that you have to be, when you're in an emergency situation, that's when you get that flash of inspiration that can save your life in an emergency situation. So what this guy's trying to do, he's trying to bring that to everyday life so that you don't have to be in an emergency situation to to respond and, and get this inspiration of, of really new good and new ideas yeah mm-hmm. so i started doing that exercise and i have not done the whole the, i've not done the entire 164 yet but the process is you're supposed to do it every day i've only done it a couple of times maybe for a few weeks but already you can feel when someone asks you a question you've just got answers to the question you've got multiple answers because your brain is used to being forced to think that way. It's very difficult to explain. You have to do the exercises and you, you'll start to understand what I mean. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. I have to actually think and of mine right now who that's like exactly what they're looking for, I can just imagine. Kyle, the, the, the good thing as well is I think the book is on Amazon for a dollar. <laughs> oh really? Uh, I'm pretty sure I got it for a dollar. Just uh, have a look, yeah. Get off the call. And I mean, like I say, it's just one question a day that you answer. You 10 bullet points, but it gets you. But I mean, the book, will, it, it will explain. And the great thing is when you read the book, it's only maybe three or four pages. So you read three or four pages and then it's into the meat straight away. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to read an entire book. It's one chapter, which is about five pages. And then it gets straight into the, into the questions. Mm-hmm. Fine. But that's how, that sounds weird, but it's helped me with my workout. So when I when I design, like I, we don't run a boot camp anymore. So when I do design workouts, I've got about six people who I send the ideas to, and I say, look, these are my new ideas. Go and try them in your boot camp. If they work, let me know. If they don't, let me know how you change them. So that's what I do. But I'll sit down and I'll start doodling, and I might draw maybe I might give myself a, maybe a pack of cards, two cones, a whistle, and a stopwatch, and I'll have my ten points there. And I will challenge myself to come up with 10 workout ideas using only that limited equipment. Mm-hmm. And we've done exercises with our subscribers and you'd be surprised at what your brain will actually come up with. So I do a lot of that stuff as well. Cool. That's yeah. good. It's a good way that to, uh, really, uh, really good way to challenge yourself. I suppose the big message is there that uh, obviously I think too many trainers out there try and do it all, you know, and, and they spend so much time planning their workouts. So something like this would just free up so much time, probably five, six hours a week that they can focus on probably building their business and getting more clients. Yeah, I mean, we did, it's, we, we, did a, we did a poll. We've got a free Facebook group for trainers and we just ran a quick, you know, just a very slapdash quick question in there asking people how much time they spend on designing workouts every month. And it varied, I think, the absolute minimum and this was for someone who was, I think at that point, it was just after we'd launched the Workout Design Club, wasn't it? And he was already a member. And he said he spent 10 a month. 10 and hours. then 10 hours a month. But the average, I think, came out at 60 hours a month. Jeez, wow. That's 15 hours a week, you know, designing workouts. And that was including, we said, look, it, allow for the time that you'll go onto Facebook to look for an idea 
and then you'll get distracted watching a video of Kim. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. You know, and, and um, so it factored in all the so distractions. It factored in all the distractions. You know, you Google it, and then you have to go through all the crap websites to emails. find it. You know, and so so we said factor all that in because it is a factor. You know, whether we like it or not, if you're going on the internet to search for ideas to do in your bootcamp, you are going to get distracted. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the average I think was something like sixty hours a month. That is, in imagine what you could do with that time. I think once someone put 120 hours, that they literally sat there with the pen and paper. That's a full time job. Full time job. Every time I go on, I'm I'm, I'm like going in your group, Kyle, or our group, and I'm looking for new ideas, and then I'm checking my emails, and oh, I forgot <laughs> to write to this person, and oh, I may as well just do this one here. So every five minutes, every five minutes was turned into two hours, mm-hmm. and I was like, it just didn't make sense that. I mean, if you, let's say 60 hours and, and you said, right, well, in that 60 hours every month, all you can do is nothing but marketing. Your bootcamp, you'd have, you'd have 100 locations worldwide, wouldn't you? Oh, let, yeah, no, but let's say, let's say even if that, that wasn't the case, let's say you do PT as well and you've just freed up 15 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You could take on 15 PT clients, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's insane the amount of time it, it can save people. And it already is saving people. We get emails daily saying, oh, my God, it's an absolute lifesaver. I wish you'd mm-hmm. done this years ago, but thanks for doing it now. <laughs> you know? But I also understand that people, like, we had a few messages through saying, well, I like designing my own workout, so yeah. that time is well spent. And I kind of understand that. And I used to, you know, I, I used to like designing my workouts, but there's, if you want to grow your business... You've got to get out your own head. You've got to get away from your ego. I wrote an email yesterday at how to design a, a month's worth of workouts in, I think it was like in two hours, and it was all about recycling your... I mean, this is the most... Like, most instructors are sitting on hundreds of workouts. They've no, they've no even idea that... Mm-hmm. They've yeah. no idea. And it was the emails about recycling your old workouts. So you get five old workouts in front of you. Most workouts consist of a number of drills. You look over them, you keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, and eventually, and you guys can try this, your mind will start making patterns of what will fit best together. And then you just, it's, it's a really fantastic way of designing a month's worth of workouts. You can do it in two hours. And I put these messages out there, and I do hope that people, and sometimes we do get messages back where people have actually sat down and they've done it. But those people are very few and far between. Who, who take our advice and email us back to say that, you know, we've done this. I don't know, maybe there's just so much information floating around the internet. It's, you know, what seems a good idea? Oh, I'll get to that later. And then all of a sudden, you're back on Facebook watching, you're back hamsters. On Facebook watching <laughs> hamsters chewing carrots. And you still don't have any work yet sorted. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so, so time saving that is, I think that's the number one seller for the workout design club I I just come to believe though that it depends what you want and I'm convinced that most instructors are happy with 15-20 members they're happy with that and maybe they don't want to grow the boot camp because we always think we want to grow our boot camp everyone wants to grow the boot camp so it's all about this and that I'm not a specialist in this area but I have invested a lot of money in myself in mindset coaching and things and and I wonder really whether that's true or whether yeah. people say that because they don't believe that anything else is possible for them yeah I think you know like I think yeah. most people with a gun to their head if you said tell me the honest truth would you rather have 50 people at your boot camp they'd say yeah I would I, I or would you rather have 
you know, this amount of income, forget about the people because that's an ego thing. But let's say, let's say you could have 10 people and charge them what you wanted to, to, in order for that to equate to the income that you want every month. Most people aren't going to say, no, I don't really. I'd rather just charge people $5 a session and have them drop in and only have 10 of them. Like nobody, I don't think there's anybody that really, really believes that because if they did, we'd be doing it for free. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be running a charity boot camp or something. Yeah. I think there's probably, you know, I get what you're saying, Leon, but I think that there's probably for a lot of people an underlying kind of belief that maybe that's just not possible for them. And, you know, they'll look at things like their town and the catchment and the people that they've attracted in the past and they'll be like, yeah, it just doesn't work here. When actually I would call BS on that and and say (laughs) that's Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's easier to make excuses up or say you don't want things just because you physically yeah. don't want to put in the hard work or you're scared. Yeah, and it's not always a conscious. Thing. It's not always a conscious thing. It's not like oh, I can't be asked to do it. It's like you tell yourself these stories that 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 my town there's just not enough people or that in this town people just don't want to be fit because that is easier for your brain to accept than yeah, there's loads of people. I'm just not getting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't know how to get them. It's kind of like your subconscious is is there in place to protect you, so it will it will cover things up and tell you other stories so that you feel safe and that you're not going to get hurt. But sometimes I think once you um, uncover that, then yeah, I think most people, most bootcamp instructors, if they were honest, would want more clients. Mm. Okay, that, that works well because we've got a few rapid fire or three rapid fire questions left for you guys before we wrap up before we uh, so get off i wanted if each of you could share a piece of advice just one that you maybe you think is the most important on to a trainer who's just starting a boot camp like what's a mistake they should avoid or a i mean i know we've kind of covered a little bit of it but yeah what comes to mind Definitely, definitely, definitely. Sorry, Leon, I'm going to take this one. Mm-hmm. Don't try and do it all yourself. Mm-hmm. Find somebody who has already achieved what you want to achieve and follow them. It might be another trainer in your town. It might just be another trainer in your town who you can say, would you mind meeting for coffee? You know, and they become your mentor. And it's a, just a, you know, a very casual agreement. It might be that you've got some some business money to invest and that you take on a coach, a professional coach or a mentor. It might be that you just invest in little things like, like the workout design club that are going to save you time so that you can work on other areas. It might be that you outsource things like bookkeeping, which is a horrible job to, well, if you know, for me, it's a horrible job to a professional rather than try and fudge through it yourself. So there's different ways of doing it, but that would be my absolute number one. Do not try and do it all yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you uh, can see my notes here all the way from Spain, honey, but you've just really gone on and talked about probably number one thing I want to speak to you about is, is mentoring. So you said obviously going and mentoring somebody in your local town or that you can help each other work out. Have you guys invested in yourselves before, like spent money on coaching and things like that, or have you just been lucky and done it all yourself? Oh, you no, we've spent a lot of money. This, this year alone... We've invested, I think, $22,500 on our own self-development, business development. So we've invested that in two different coaching projects, which were the bulk of that, and then also various different training courses. And we're part of 
various masterminds, which we pay, pay into monthly, which comes to maybe like a couple of hundred bucks a month or whatever. So we're constantly investing in our own business development and our own personal self-development yeah. as well. I think that's I think that's a great response from people because a lot of time, as you said, people just try to do it themselves and they don't have expertise in all fields, which, you know, that just means their business fails because they may be really good at one area, but nothing else goes right. So I think the big thing yeah. is you're investing back in yourself, you know, the money you're making Absolutely. you build your business with that. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate that from day one, not everyone has twenty grand to go out and invest. And I'm not saying that that, that needs to be the case. You know, like we said, you can do it as a kind of reciprocal arrangement or in the way that we reached out to Kyle at the start and he helped us build the the online business. And, you know, there's lots of different ways of doing it. But I would say once your business is starting to make money, rather than saying, great, I made, I you know, I made a hundred bucks, I can go to, you know, I can go on holiday. You need to be thinking about from day one, have an investment mindset and think about, I'm going to put... 30% of what I make straight back into my business, whether that be into direct costs like marketing, having flyers made and designed, or whether it be, you know, like I say, business development, mentoring, coaching, everyone should be reinvesting back in their business. And that is how you see growth. And actually, um, that, you know, to go from, from employee to, to self-employed, solopreneur, whatever you want to call it, is, is a big step but the, the really big step comes from when you go from being a solopreneur to a business owner slash investor an investor doesn't mean that you're investing in stocks and bonds and stuff that means that you're investing back into your own business you're investing back into yourself and I think that's where that's where the you know the real growth comes from but when we talk about investing we not it doesn't mean to invest money. When people think of investment, they think money, and it's not necessarily money. It's time to it's maybe staying up till one o'clock in the morning because you want to write that press release or you want to. Do you see what I mean? It's investing your time. So if you are a member of a, a membership site, like you know, a business-related site, you can you, you're taking you're investing the time. You're taking two or three hours each day, even and now even half an hour, to sit down and to invest that time in your business by doing a business course, by doing something that's going to propel your business. So when people hear the word investment, they're like, well, I haven't got money to invest, but you've got time to invest, you know? And I, I think people miss that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think they're uh, yeah, really good points. And uh, thanks guys for getting up so early, I suppose, from Spain and uh, sharing your story with us and on the trainer's drive. It's, uh, <laughs> I think it's pretty cool that uh, we're sitting in Australia and speaking to you guys in Spain and, I know. It's amazing. All guys. Thanks for listening. If you uh, really like our episode, you can uh, leave feedback and check out our show notes. Yeah, you can find the show notes to all our episodes at trainerstribe.com forward slash podcasts. Uh, and if you're feeling generous or you'd really like to let us know how you're feeling, you can go to iTunes and leave a really nice review for Kyle and myself. Yeah, or if you want to help us spread the word and get more trainers you know, putting some of this awesome stuff into action and helping to improve our industry. Uh, just email this onto someone else or forward it or tell them about the show. We'd really appreciate it. It's really helpful. I've been uh, Dale Sidebottom. I've been Kyle Wood. 